Hello, and welcome to Spellcast, episode 23. I'm your host, Courtney, and this is my co-host, Andriel. Greetings, friends. Uh, as with our previous episode, we discussed the divine feminine. Now we will discuss the polar opposite, the divine masculine. Yes, it's going to be a great episode for you all. Episode 23, it's almost as old as Andrea, so that's pretty cool. We've been doing good. Really happy to be here. And we have about 4.5 thousand downloads, which is amazing. Giving away my age? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I said almost. I don't know exactly how old you are. I haven't given away mine yet. We're not there just yet. <laughs> I'm a little older. Oh, wait until episode 72, I guess. <gasps> <gasps> Rude. <laughs> Touche. Um, yeah, so today we're going to be talking about the Divine Masculine, and sort of in uh, conjunction with last time's episode, I will be highlighting a deity that goes along with the Divine Masculine, just as I did with the Divine Feminine. So, it's going to be a wonderful episode. Um, I also want to give you guys a little hint, uh, Spellcast Coven members, uh, anyone who joins our Patreon or Anchor listener support, they're going to get a special extra episode on the deity we're going to talk about today. Uh, we're going to have a more in-depth look. We're also going to have Mystic Yacha join that special Patreon episode to talk about some personal experiences. So if you guys want to jump on that and become a Spellcast Coven member, then you will have some great episodes to look forward to. They also got a bonus sewing episode, so it's still up there and you're more than welcome to it. So without any further ado, Let's get into the Divine Masculine. Okay, wonderful. So, um, the uh, typical archetypes of the Divine Masculine that we see, you know, other than the fact that it's, for the most part, people tend to think most, you know, male deities, um, ones that stand out as, a, as an overall encompassing uh, Divine Masculine way of thinking. We, we think of... Uh, like major gods in certain pantheons. So you would think your Zeus, your Jupiter, your your Odin, your your Tyr, your Mars, you know, the, the entities of that sort of nature. So you think uh, there's sometimes it's just war gods. Um, and war gods are not necessarily just about uh, war. There are things that, that encompass that, you know, the, the more fiery and aggressive sides of masculinity as opposed to the sides of masculinity that are a bit more about uh, logic and uh, uh, action through uh, specific st- uh, types of thinking. Um, so you would say that there is a lot of different gods that can represent the divine masculine because they can either represent the more logical aspect or the more aggressive aspect and not necessarily like violent aggressive it could be like productive aggressive too yes i mean well see that's the thing is that one is never the absence of the other Mm. is uh you know uh, again like a pure good and pure evil uh is it's it's a real rarity. Most things kind of sit in the middle, at least from everything I've seen, everything I've read, and everything I've experienced. Um, yes, and something important to keep in mind as well in regards to both of these episodes, the Divine Feminine and the Divine Masculine, it is important to acknowledge that there is a um, black and white, so to speak, a yin-yang, but at the same time, a lot of things don't really stay in those areas, even when you do talk about masculine and femininity. 
<laughs> Excuse me, I'm a little tired. Are you tired? Yes, our week has been a little much. It's uh, been very tiring with certain things for the podcast, trying to get that done. And I mean, business and life in general, because we always do a million things. So, <laughs> uh, My divine masculine is just telling me to... to to, to go to sleep. <laughs> I don't know. There's there's nothing there's there's nothing like the the most picturesque uh, uh, American masculine ideas as a man uh, asleep uh, with one leg off the bed in his underwear. So uh, <laughs> at least you didn't say the beer in his hand thing. Well, uh, I mean, I, I don't because really, that's not you anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't really like to drink beer. I mean, it's <laughs> oh, I, 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 some people. I, I I like certain types of beer. I just don't like most types of beer i'm I'm more of a mead drinker friends um which is something wonderful you can use to celebrate some upcoming holidays i mean any holidays you want honestly but uh yeah we're really excited for winter because you get to make really cool stuff but uh yes so when we think about like archetypes of, of the divine masculine uh there are usually two images that tend to come to mind um, sometimes we think of a more primal aspect, a more animalistic aspect, which is usually adopted by a lot of neo-pagans in the idea of the horned god. Mm. Now, the horned god um, is usually uh, depicted along with the Celtic uh, god of, uh, you know, of the forest. Uh, you think Kernanos. Some people pronounce it Cernanos. I believe in, in Celtic, it's, I'm pretty sure the C is pronounced harshly. Um, we'll probably discuss them a bit more later. Uh, the one interesting thing that always kind of stood out to me was that Kernanos wasn't, he was, he wasn't really horned. He was antlered, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess, um, I mean, in some things I read, it said that the horned God in, like you said, neo-paganism and Wicca, things like that, they equate him to Kernanos. So they're, they could be considered the same, but they're also separate. I feel like it's that whole Greek-Roman thing. It depends on who you ask. Well, a lot of people kind of combine. So some people, I think, are under the... Uh uh, are are you know they have the notion that uh, a lot of these deities are the same entity, just uh, different names from different cultures, and well, that very well may be. Divination has told me otherwise, um, but uh, again, there's no way to necessarily uh, you know codify until you have the experience, friends. Mm. You know, so it's and it's it's up to everyone else's individual experience and what can be synchronized with people yeah and like with cultural diffusion and everything it's it's so hard to make things separate sometimes to you know see what you can separate from something else and sometimes things are so intertwined that it's hard to be able to say okay well in this aspect maybe or this instance the gods are different but then it could just be the same name for or i mean different names for the same thing like the same entity or the same nature spirit, or it could just be they are so similar because humanity experiences similar things, but they're still different because they came from different cultures. So, um, so yeah, so, uh, oh, yes, and, uh, you know, as opposed to a horned god, as opposed to an, an, an antlered god, I guess one rolls off the tongue a bit more. Yeah. Um, uh, the difference between uh, an antler and a horn, friends, is that antlers can be shed, uh, whereas horns are, they're, they're just straight bone. They, you do not shed horns. You cannot yeah. grow horns back. Um, whereas Hence antlers, the whole, like, rhino hunting thing and why it's a really horrible thing to do. Well, uh, rhinos, uh, their horn is hair, so it can technically grow back. Yeah, but it's just 
I mean, it's still uh, stupid. That, yeah. Listen, I'm no way. Listen, you know, if if you hunt rhinos, you're a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, using the hard C word right there. Okay, family friendly. Not this episode. <laughs> yeah. Just look, man. Like I'm, I'm just. Oh, it's fine. I'm sure everyone that listens is totally okay with it. I'm just, you know, we're not normally one to do that, so I'm just putting a little warning. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I'm just, uh... It's okay. We're all very passionate about helping the environment and animals, and I don't see anything wrong I with mean, that. I there's mean, not, there's nothing wrong with, like, hunting things that are in excess, but there's no reason to hunt a rhino. Like, you, you're eating really a rhino, isn't. you're, you know, you don't need... It's the same thing. It was the same thing with ivory hunting. Um, it was the same... It It's... I mean, it's, you know... Such an interesting thing. You really just talk about the psychology of what goes on with that. But uh, I'll digress because then I'm just I'm just going to get into anger, and then we're going to show you the dark sides of the uh, the divine masculine. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yes, still on point with the episode, I guess. <laughs> uh, but know that uh, no friends that I'm not saying all hunting is bad. I I certainly support hunting in uh, in you know population control, helping you know keep certain things uh, you know certain animals from overgrazing and causing other uh, ecological problems. Yeah, and as long as you do it ethically and you're doing it to embrace nature and that whole Native American thing and many other cultures. But, you know, just because we're in America, it's just the first thing that comes to mind. But it's that whole um, appreciating the animal, respecting them. I know me and Andre feel the same way about that. You know, use the whole thing as much of the animal as you can. And if you have no use for it, I mean, send it to us. We'll fashion something <laughs> out of it. Yeah, our friend um, Mystic Yacha, like, you know, when deer and stag do shed their antlers, he picks them up off the floor. He doesn't find them and take them. It's just if they happen to be around, that's what he makes his really cool like cryptograms out of and all his cool stuff. And honestly, that brings you close to the environment. I mean, that's something that I like to point out is a way to really embrace some of these deities like Kernanos or Diana or Artemis is to be in that hunting mindset to do it for the right reasons. Well, yes, yeah, hunting in... Be a hunter that brings balance to the environment, mm-hmm. not imbalance. It's, it's why you do it. There's no need to hunt an endangered species. There is very much a need to hunt things that overgraze and cause, you know, ecological damage. And especially if it's, of course, providing food for someone. I mean, that's that's wonderful. You're doing services for multiple people and um we are never going to run out of ungulates let's be very (laughs) frank about this yeah they they definitely reproduce um often and are very plentiful and so it's good but yeah as long as again just be aware do the right thing and that's what really matters uh so uh now now after that uh that that it's okay you know what it's not a full tangent because kernanos is a god of animals, so technically we're still on track. <laughs> so it's and it's a very okay. So it's a very interesting understanding because there are two. There are technically two sides if you think about you know divine masculine that that usually come to mind in regards to imagery, which is what I was getting at before. Is that um, you think primal entities, which are like kind of anthropomorphized, animalistic, like humanoid bestial creatures so mm. you think of the the idea of pan you know like yeah. a human a human top with uh with uh you know like uh, hooves on the bottom and the, and the horns or the antlers on the top or you even think of like a centaur or yeah, i always think of centaurs yeah centaurs are interesting they're so cool uh, th- they're one of my favorite mythological creatures technically they have two hearts two rib cages two stuff it would take it unless it's i don't well i mean it's kind of like cows i guess i mean well technically 
uh, to quote Bob's Burgers. <laughs> <laughs> You're quoting that, Spryce. Yeah, I mean, the show's funny, like, no, I know. occasionally. Um, <laughs> I like it. It's, it's, Shh, it's great. It's awkwardness. Uh, yeah, no, it's <laughs> technically it just has one stomach. It's just chambered instead of... No, I It's know. not actually four stomachs. I know, I know. But it's set up, it's set up different. I don't know. It's uh, cool. I mean, the centaur, I guess, just... All that body, they had to have more than one of each organ. I guess it was a nice sentiment in uh, Rocco's modern life when Heifer sold one of his stomachs for cash to help Rocco pay for his debts. <laughs> wow. And you know what? I'm going to say I might not be sad that I missed that show. <laughs> and not because I'm younger than him, just because I didn't ever watch it for whatever reason. Yes, let the record show that she's not younger than me. She's a fossil. <laughs> oh! Well, excuse you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm afraid of robbing. It's fine. So, um... Not actually, though. Like, full-on disclaimer, I'm totally not a real cougar. This is not illegal. Nothing bad is happening. <laughs> it's really not that bad. It's only three-year difference. Oh, Before God. people, like, blow up my spot. Yeah, I don't know. In this day and age, you can't do anything anymore. <laughs> we have to give a disclaimer to a disclaimer. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, anyway. So, uh... Contrary to feminine qualities, which tend to be reminiscent of things, you know, oh, we're, we're talking about, you know, uh, uh, duh, yeah, uh, we're, ta- <laughs> we're talking, about, I do this at least once a podcast now, it's getting bad, I apologize, friends, maybe one day we'll record these when it's not like 12 at night. Um, yeah, in a perfect world. Uh, so, in our previous podcast, uh, the... Uh, divine feminine the major traits you would think of you would think of the elements of earth and water mm-hmm. you and think, receiving stuff yes receiving energies being a vessel uh intuition intangible uh ideas the nighttime the moon uh the nurturing aspects healing gentle expressive uh wisdom that uh you know is hidden uh patience emotion uh, in its purest form and flexibility. Now, on the contrary, yes. I. <laughs> on the contrary, uh, the masculine qualities, uh, you know, divine masculine, we think of logic, we think of action, we think of reason. Uh, firmness as opposed to gentleness, survival instincts, uh, something that's a bit more primal, loyalty, adventurous, rational, uh, logic, strength, I think I said logic already. Um, We think the sun, we think daytime, we think things that are a bit more tangible, things Mm -hmm. that are more straightforward, a frankness, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, if you're going to equate it to the tarot as well uh obviously the feminine are the cups and the pentacles and the masculine is the wands and the swords so it's really obviously it's incredibly phallic it's pretty straightforward right and it's really interesting to see the divine masculine and feminine um displayed in various things i mean it's really tied so closely to all forms of spiritualities you know i mean depending on the religions it's even said that uh, way, way, way back in the day. Uh, now, correct me if I'm wrong. I only read this like somewhere, so I'm not going to say that it's like completely true. I don't really know. But there was an article that uh, said that Judaism in its early, early, early forms had a feminine aspect to a, be the opposite to Yahweh. 
So uh, anyone that knows Judaism that well, just let me know. Because I, I really want to know if that was a thing. I don't know Judaism that well or even Kabbalah that well to know if that was a thing. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's interesting to think that it's possible even some monotheistic religions may have had that at some point. Because, you know, where where did they divide that the monotheistic religions decided to focus on mainly masculine gods? So that's something that's interesting to me. Uh, yes, you know, so it's funny. So you, so you brought up Judaism. So outside of, you know, we think the, the primal, more animalistic depictions of a, a male entity, uh, the other, you know, idea we think of just the pure masculine uh, idea of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Just a, a very masculine-looking man, long beard, uh, a very strong stoicism, powerful voice, uh, usually depicted in it, you know, just to be very frank, jacked, you know, just <laughs> sculpted in some sort of way. So the idea, one could argue that like Zeus and, you know, Jupiter are very similar to Yahweh. Um, yeah, that's something I always found interesting too is the main gods in those religions are very similar to Catholicism and Christian religions. So and Judaism, obviously. Yes. So, you know, we think of those two archetypes. So we can really dive into both of them. That one is not necessarily the absence of the other. Um, so when we think of uh, masculine energies, you know, when we think of things that are, are primal, you know, and I, I guess I'll compare it to a lot of what it is I feel and what I've, I guess I've explored about myself. You know, we think of sort of a a raw sexuality, a physicality. I mean, you know, think about the term being horny, you know, horned <laughs> god. And it's pretty, and there's a reason why a lot of these animals, you know, we think of goats, uh, we think of uh, bulls, we think, you know, the, the most, uh, they're, they're filled with, uh, you know, vitality and a and Well, a I mean, potency. yeah, all those things are phallic symbols like antlers and horns and all that. So yeah, it's it's quite interesting, and if you look in the nature of these animals, they tend to be the most sexually aggressive. Yeah, especially stags. I mean, yeah, one could argue that, like, you know, they call it mating season, but I mean, like, you know, is it is it really? Uh, it's, it's definitely not a. It's definitely not a you know, two way street. <laughs> it's definitely not candlelight. Have you ever seen? One time, I saw a video of like a stag, like just mounting uh, a doe. And then another stag came and mounted the mounted stag. And uh, I, don't, I don't know where his, uh, his other antler went, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. You feel me? <laughs> Dude, that's like a show of dominance, I feel like, more than anything else. So, yeah, no, definitely. Oh, yeah, and, you know, the idea of, you know, you know dominating. You know, funny, I was actually, uh, you know, something uh, going around the internet, and it, and it reminded me of, uh, you know, things that I already kind of, you know, just reiterating Latin. It's always kind of funny when, like, you know, if, you know, social media brings up certain <laughs> things. Uh, they were bringing up the... Um, uh, the terminology uh, for male versus uh, female words in in Latin, you know, oh, like yeah, Latin, yeah. So it brought up, a, you know, it was like, oh, the ending uh, when the suffix is like or, like tor. Uh, the female version of it would be tricks. So mm-hmm. if, if there was a female, there's no such thing as a female gladiator. She's a gladiatrix. Yeah, which is cool. Nobody ever, nobody ever said that. Um, I am into that ending. Why, by the way, it just makes 
women sound really cool. If you are dominated by a woman, she is a dominatrix, you know? And, oh, and f- yeah. And that's where, I mean, the sexual connotation kind of came from because women aren't usually depicted as traditionally aggressively sexual, whereas men are uh, almost expected to be that way in, mm-hmm. in, in certain senses. Yeah, and we're definitely going to have to talk uh, about like the balance too. Like once we go over a lot uh, more of the divine masculine aspects, we're going to talk about that balance between masculine and feminine and how to kind of work that into your life. And I mean, it's cool that there's a, a man and a woman doing this podcast because we, uh, we're representing that right now. I mean, you know, both of us, I would say are pretty on the balance scale just cause I'm earthy and you're more air. So it, kind of worked out but yeah, still at the same time it's but, opposite I mean, I, yeah I, I don't know i mean it's it's kind of interesting my dear i mean you always kind of struck me as a if i've ever to put you into any sort of archetype you kind of strike me as a like a woodland nymph or like a fairy of some sort but i don't know if i ever really l- saw you as like the pure polar end of a of a divine feminine but but i've noticed no, that's that, what i'm saying like i'm uh, i'm not I, really on the end of that so while we're not on the opposite ends of the divine Mm. in our masculine feminine um you know aspect it's interesting because we're both pretty down the middle but still representing it i feel like yes no i mean i understand what you're saying i just i don't did i did that come out right i don't know i guess like by like comparison i i don't know i'm just saying because i definitely feel the constant aggression i mean you know (laughs) Andreel and, and anger, you know, both start with A. So it's Great. just crazy, just amounts of fire. I, the, the disclaimer, friends, I, for the, the fifth one in this episode. The, not yeah. a, not angry in the sense of just like I get pissed off about everything. It's just I feel like a crazy, fiery passion about just about everything I do quite constantly. And I mean, I'm aware of it, so I have a very good composed control over it. But, you know, that doesn't mean that. If I don't go to jujitsu at least once a week, I'll have a dream about thrashing about doing something. So it just, it just escapes into the dream. And, you know, sometimes I think I like being slammed more than I actually like slamming somebody. It's really quite interesting. And that goes back to the whole, like, mindset that, you know, when I when I think, and I, I think we'll talk about it in a philosophical standpoint more perhaps in another episode. But, you know, I, I always think of, you know, the actual, the, the differences between... Uh, the masculine and the feminine, you know, and the difference between, you know, men and women um, in, in how we register our emotions and how we register our uh, expression in life. I, I truly believe that there are some emotions that women have that men will never truly understand in a very direct way. We can sympathize with it, not necessarily empathize with it, um, because men will never know what it's like to go through a menstrual cycle. Men will never know what it's like to go through... Uh, a pregnancy, at least from a natural standpoint, um, women. Uh, but I, but I also believe that you know I, I don't really know if women understand what it's like to want to destroy something for absolutely <laughs> no reason at all. Like it's just, you just wanted to destroy everything, just kill and destroy. <laughs> okay with fire and just a violent <laughs> way, just bash your head. And you want to, like, use your own body to destroy something. Like, you could pick up a tool, but, like, you prefer to <laughs> smash your head into the... It's just... It's really the violent... The divine masculine, It's I just suppose. violent, frenzied sort of things. I, I don't know. It's... it's And I... Uh, and, uh, granted, I don't do any of that, friends. I mean, <laughs> it's not like he's just thrashing about. Thrashing about, like, constantly. But, I mean, I... But, I mean, hey, also... I mean, are more messed... I'm sure our masculine listeners out there can understand. And that's, of course, also something to keep in mind is, like, 
it's good to mention too with divine masculine and feminine while these are more of the on the opposite end of the spectrum and then most people are kind of somewhere in the middle it's not wrong to be anything and also masculine and feminine i mean even if you're physically a woman or anything like that i mean you could be a little bit more masculine or other ways around. I mean, they're always talking about men embracing their feminine side, right? When they're getting like more emotional and stuff. So I think that it's important to note that it's good to have a balance of masculine and feminine energy in you and don't feel bad with whatever your balance is. It's it's important to embrace you for who you are and really get to know yourself in that way. Yes, and it's uh, and again, friends, I'm not saying that you know people are exclusively incapable of feeling certain emotions. I just believe that you know, and we're talking about statistics. We're talking about things that are more often than not. There is always exceptions to certain rules. And I mean, um, masculinity and femininity are different. They're meant to be, and it's good because they can then work together to create beautiful things. I mean, that's the whole point is we're supposed to be a little different in the way that we reproduce. We're supposed to be two halves to that. So we can bring different things to the table. So it's it's a good thing. I, I also say, think about it in terms of the most extreme elements. We think of fire versus water. I always like to think of it in like terms of, you know, what it is they can do in their most powerful concentrated forms. You know, uh, fire being the divine masculine and water being the divine feminine. You know, the purest of those forms. Now, fire, much like testosterone, it permanently alters a body type. Mm. You, you know, it's, you, you see how hormones, you know, work with people is that testosterone causes your jaw to come out, your musculature to uh, change in form in a very sculpted sort of way. Um, you know, the more testosterone you have, the more that that's going to shape itself in a particular way, cause a certain sexual aggression, etc., etc. Um, but we think about like fire in its basis, in its based form, its basest form. Yeah, I know <laughs> it's playing, it's playing, uh, at the bar. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I, so once you burn something, that's it. It's completely burned. There is no unburning something. You've completely released that energy. It's been transmuted. It's been destroyed and released, you know, um, you know, so you think about burning somebody alive as opposed to drowning them. Ironically, they burned a lot of witches at the stake. They yeah. also hung them more often than not, but that's still interesting to know. You know, think about you know, burning someone alive as opposed to uh, drowning them. Uh, you know, drowning in the in the deepest, darkest depths of the ocean, the pressures of uh, of the of the dark blue depths, uh, slowly popping your eyes out of your face and it's you God, know, how far down are we going <laughs> it's a comment well, it's a commentary on the deepest darkest emotions kind of and a lot of you like the, which death would be worse yeah and a lot of the um sea creatures that are down at the bottom like the females are bigger that's the that's the dark is like concentrated like you know excess you know nothing good exists in excess right. but we think of uh in its purest form you know on a good side no, fire keeps us warm. It brings us energy. It brings us vitality. It brings people together. It helps people focus. And it has an eerie charm about it that is, you know, enticing. It causes you to, to loosen up in a, in a different sort of way. You know, water is constantly healing. Mm. It refreshes your bones, mind, it's body, calming. and soul. You take baths to relax, showers. It can cause emotion and uh, it can induce a... 
it can induce certain feel. I mean, to me, I, I've said this in a previous episode that running water down my face feels like a lover essentially touching me, which I've always very much enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Oh, and to think of it, um, everyone always has their best ideas in the shower. Femininity is associated with creativity. And then masculinity is associated with putting that creativity into action. So that's another great way to show how they go together. You create things with the feminine and then you put them into physical action in the physical world with the masculine, which explains, you know, when you see more masculine deities or things like that in religion, they're the deities that are associated with sun, with things that are um, tangible in a way, like not so much like the earthy way, I, I mean a little because that's like the masculine and feminine like coming together but I mean feminine is just that creative energy that has the idea and the emotion and the spark and then the the masculine is also the one that's just kind of like putting the force behind it well, the the, ma- the femininity is creativity but without mas- masculine energy there will be no drive yeah. and push to actually connect the dots of that said creativity yeah, yeah. which is incredibly important yeah the masculine's like the the backbone to the feminine it's why also if you think about it like men are like very bullheaded when they want to get certain things done it's just like you gotta do this you gotta do this yeah i'm sure we've all ran into some extra masculine men that just want to be stubborn and be bullheaded and do things their way and you just gotta like let it go (laughs) and we've also ran into to females that are incredibly you know creative but Mm -hmm. a little indecisive and yeah they can't physically get things into action it's more of they're swimming in their ideas and they can't seem to physically get it down and you know it's uh, while a blessing it can also you know when not combined with the other half can cause some uh issues and, and that's why we work so well together because depending on the day we both inhabit one of those things <laughs> and we help each other get stuff done well yeah it's honestly I, I just i always try to be patient and lay one brick at a time but some days the world just gets to you and you just just don't care anymore <laughs> i don't know i'm running into a hey if you can sense this little frustration in my voice right now friends um just we've had a lot a lot of irritating things uh going on uh things are good it's just uh you know sometimes the people around us are uh annoying little uh checkers that need to be jumped <laughs> uh, so to speak i'm sorry does that sound manipulative <laughs> uh Great. but manipulative and cunning is the the feminine aspect folks so <laughs> oh sure just spinning on around just kidding yeah <laughs> but the will to drive that cunning is a masculine tendency See? so, so I <laughs> everything goes together <laughs> yeah so it, uh you know all, all you know man that was a long uh it was a long tangent um yeah but you know i feel like i'm doing the job today of showing how our tangents are still relevant because <laughs> at least we're discussing the masculine and the feminine and we're really putting it into um, a form that is, you know, uh, I I think hopefully we're making it more understandable or in bringing some light into certain things. I mean, if you already knew about this, that that's great too. And I hope at least you're enjoying hearing us talk about it in our way and how we decide to talk about it and 
you know. Now, this does not mean that, it, you know, it, in most cultures, uh, the masculine energy was the sun and, and uh, the feminine energy is the moon. There are other cultures out there that uh, felt the opposite in certain ways, or they conveyed it in a way that it was... Uh, a little bit of each, which uh, also is an interesting way to understand it. I, I've mm. always kind of subscribed to that a little bit as well. Um, you know, there's, you know, that uh, that a truly. I mean, if you look, really look around uh, in human history, in regards to the most balanced and influential of people, uh, the most influential men who made the biggest differences. Uh, we're in touch with the feminine side. So, you know, you think you're, you think you're Da Vinci's, you think you're Michelangelo's, you think Jesus of Nazareth, you think, you know, you know uh, the archetype of the long-haired man, uh, the long-haired, sensitive, uh, beautiful, yet handsome man. Uh, we look at other women, women who have had uh, some sort of touch with their masculine side, uh, tended to be heard much more and a little more straightforward, a little bit more... Uh, powerful in getting out their ideas, especially in societies that stifled women so wearily often. Yeah, like Margaret Thatcher is a great one. She's very powerful as a person. I would say Marie Curie, um, that Marie. woman that did the coding for NASA. I want to remember her name, but she's the woman that basically hand wrote all the code to get us to the moon. So in that time, you literally had to force yourself in there. Or people wouldn't take you seriously. So to have that fire to be like, look, I know what I'm doing. But I'm also thinking of like even further back in antiquity. We, we're thinking Mary Holstonecraft. We're thinking uh, or even her daughter, Mary Shelley. Uh, yeah, we, I was that. we think of uh, the original nuns, you know, uh, like Hildegard of Bingen. Uh, we think, uh, even though she was a mystic, she was very in tune with divine feminine energies, uh, if you read about her. Um, Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc, yeah. Uh, yeah, and they burned her alive for that one. So I mean, I, I guess that was that was very uh, you know, masculine. Blue. Woman gave her the masculine element. It was. Uh, She's actually, um, I guess, I don't know if you call it your patron saint, but um, I have my um, confirmation done. So Joan of Arc is my saint name because I like her. She's really cool. <laughs> uh we think of the we think of the first female Christian martyrs like Felicity and Perpetua. We mm. uh yeah, they were thrown to the lions in so Carthage. Sad. Um those tragic <laughs> stories. <laughs> uh even uh e even looking back as far it, it's simple to to think the symbolism of the female pharaohs who yeah. wore masculine Ah, uh, yeah, definitely. Like Hapshetsut, I always mess up her name at first, but Hapshetsut, uh, she donned the male pharaoh garb because men didn't take her seriously. So she was like, okay, I'm just going to dress like you then and you're going to take me serious. So she actually had a fake beard for her maid and everything. And she just decided that she was going to run things. So, I mean, you know, it's definitely really cool to see that in action. It's really cool to see... The men then embrace their feminine side and then use that to be successful and how that balance really is what makes people that successful. Yes. So it's it, it's so fascinating, you know, and if you look at even how, how the symbolism in uh, like, like, let's say, ancient Greece, uh, how the philosophers looked at 
how things were, uh, even though they had no knowledge of what was going on uh, on a microscopic level. Oh, yeah. The symbolism that, you know, women were like the the earth that you planted the seed in and men put the seed in there. I mean, the term semen literally is just seed. That's what it means, seed. Um, and it's not that... In the grand scheme of things, if you just kind of translate language, it's it, it doesn't seem that elaborate. But these yeah, words right? had more weight and more emotion and more vibration attached to them. That's why... And if, it's also different because in a lot of, um, like, romance languages, I'm sure anyone that speaks one knows this is that you have a lot more words for certain concepts and english is very simplified in that we say we love things a lot but there's really just i mean there's other words for love in a romance like, language if you if if they use the word love like americans used love there would be a lot of crazy pissed off there's it's like very different because <laughs> like there's different ways to say you love different things and here at least in America, I mean, it's become a thing that you just say, well, I love mac and cheese or I love well, it's my also, boyfriend. It, I so mean, that also just goes know, to like hackneyed know, language. Yeah, right? no, but I mean, we know context wise, but, you know, it's interesting that in different languages, you know, I mean, you also have to just take into account with Latin and Greek and where things came from, like you said, the different meanings. And a lot of times with older languages like that, they had multiple meanings for different things and different ways to express it. So once you translate it into a different language, sometimes that stuff gets lost. Ah, so um, to continue on with the ideas uh, and traits surrounding the divine masculine. Um, I apologize. I wanted to consult a grimoire. Oh yeah, no worries. Yes. I don't think anyone expects us to have all of this come from our heads. <laughs> that would be a lot. <laughs> it would be a little too much, I think, to keep everything in our head all at once. So I'm sure everyone forgives us for that. <sighs> you need a second? Yes, I do. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, Frustration. <laughs> masculine stuff. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, to continue on with more of the Divine Masculine, um, I think this will be then a good time I'll just talk about uh, Kernanos because I have a few things ready to talk to you guys more about him. Um, this is the god that I picked just to represent us for the Divine Masculine for this episode, um, much like I did uh, Shakti last time. And Kernanos uh, is a Celtic name. He's the depiction of the horn god, like we mentioned, from Celtic polytheism. And he's known as a god of fertility, life, animals, wealth, and the underworld. So he kind of inhabits a lot. He's very old. Um, he's born from the original earth goddess as well. And Andrea and I were talking about this because in a lot of uh, Wiccan and neo-pagan studies, you learn during different cycles of the year that the goddess births the god, and then in other seasons, they get together to create things. So it's not so literal in the sense that, like, it's incestual and weird. It's <laughs> the, Okay, so the idea is that... okay. So if you're thinking around like Christmas time, you know, that that's where that story alighted. Um 
with the Virgin Mary giving birth to Jesus of Nazareth. Mm -hmm. The mother, you know, Virgin Mary was usually allied with a lot of divine feminine ideas. That's why if you look in in, uh, like actual old Catholic churches in places like Italy, places where the original Catholic um, (laughs) uh, sites were erected, um, huh, erected. <laughs> We're talking divine masculine. <laughs> anyway, yeah, ha 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 ha. Um, there was gonna be a dick joke eventually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you see uh, silver moons around the Virgin Mary. Um, it was easy to elide that symbolism. Um, and Jesus of Nazareth being the son that was given birth. You know, in midwinter. Which is probably yeah. again why they made it around that time because most. People have found out that Jesus was probably born sometime in the spring, actually. So, you know, the idea was that the new light, the sun, there's a reason why, you know, like someone's sun and the sun, there's a reason why that language is that way. That's no coincidence, friends. Well, coincidence, again, it's a coincidence. Yeah. Coincides with these things. Um, it's, uh, but the idea is that after the birth, he is like he's transmutated, you know, and she's not literally giving birth to a lover. But that also goes kind of in the psychology of men uh, tend to marry people like their mother and uh, women tend to marry men like their father. You know, that's it's a it's a something that is a bit more metaphysical, not necessarily literal. You know, yeah. the danger is always confusing the two, you know, when something should be figurative and when something should be literal and mixing them up, that's where perversion comes from. Yeah, and that's why I wanted to mention that because I think it's something important, you know, if it whenever it comes up um, <laughs> that that's something to keep in mind. I mean, they associate him, like I said, so far back that he is born from the original Divine Feminine and also can be attributed or compared to rather the green man or again the horn god and some people say that uh we think the oak king versus the holly king yeah and he could be the same he could be different probably depends on who you ask and what people believe um and uh kernanos is depicted with the antlers of a stag sometimes he carries a purse filled with coin he's often seated cross-legged in a lot of the art and associated with animals and holding or wearing torques which are those like um metal collar necklaces that the vikings kind of wear if you can picture that and um a lot of his artwork is from gaul so like old france um before it was france and If you can check out, which I noticed this before, and I mentioned Andriel, we've been to Copenhagen in Denmark, and we missed out on this artwork, and it looks awesome. Would have been cool to see in person. It's a, um, you know, it's, I think it's a print or something of Kernanos. Uh, It's in the National Museum of Denmark in Copenhagen, so if anyone's going to go there, definitely take a look out for it. Uh, But they picture him with... um, the antlers, you know, he's holding a torque. There's the stags and the bulls and different masculine animals around him. And what I'm gonna say, it looks like a snake. Don't think it's a snake. Kind of looks like a penis. But <laughs> I don't know what it is he's holding. Um, I'm just gonna assume it goes with the rest of the metaphor. Um, so with 
this one, since he is technically the Celtic god, uh, it's really interesting to check that out as well. Now, Sansi is identified with nature, life, and fertility in, like, the masculine aspect. That's also something cool to look at because the divine feminine is associated with fertility, but in her way. And this is the masculine fertility. Um, we're talking about stags being kind of sexually aggressive, uh, their horns being phallic. So Krenonos as a god of fertility and abundance is more of that intense giving. And obviously the divine feminine is then the receiving. Yeah. So yeah, fertility, you know, in the in the realm of understanding, you know, female wanting to be fertile versus a man being fertile are, mm -hmm. if you think about it, it's two different ideas. A man being fertile has this sort of, uh, we, we think a tribal-esque sort of, power and chest beating <laughs> towards it whereas a woman's fertility is the ability the ability to bear that energy uh yeah. from a man wh yeah. which is yeah. a different you to know contain that, that yeah, the strength of flexibility you know oh, yeah, it's like what sure. can what can really uh take that energy and turn it into something even better or something more refined refined in a good way not like refined like you know factory refining shit. metal or something <laughs> no, refining oil um <laughs> yeah and some things that are and more things that are symbols of Kernanos are the cornucopiae, basically the plural of cornucopia. It's giving me trouble. Um, <laughs> fruit, grain, and coins. So if you are looking to get closer to Kernanos, talk to him. Uh, cornucopia, that's how you say it, but whatever, the plural of cornucopia. Cornucopiae. Cornucopia, thank you. I don't know why I couldn't say it. Does it end with A E? What it's I A E. Cornucopia. Yeah, yeah cornucopia. So, cornucopia, the plural of cornucopia, uh, they are out a lot during Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. So, you can easily get your hands on them. This would be a great time to talk to Kernanos. Stags, deer are out, big season for them. Uh, fruit, you know, there's, there's always some kind of fruit. Pumpkins are technically a fruit. Well, technically, the, the only fruits that are. Uh Pre-masculine are... Ugh. God, I'm so tired. <laughs> the only fruit... Yeah, when you think, like, fruits, most of the time you think of feminine uh, feminine body parts, except when you think of things that, you know, protrude phallically. Like, you're thinking, uh, you know, bananas. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you got some bananas, which it's, most people have those around... Don't disturb people by eating them in a weird way around you. That's not what we're saying. Yeah. <laughs> they just offer that to him. Remember, uh, <laughs> ladies, the only the only right way to eat a banana around a man is with a knife slowly cutting slices. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> uh, also, grain and coins. All things that go with this season anyway. So honestly, if you're going to start connecting with him, this is a great time. We totally didn't plan doing this around this time, but it seems to be working out real well. Um, to continue on with other aspects of the... Uh, oh, the and that snake-like thing that he's holding is probably a snake because he's also a god of the underworld in, like, older religions. So it's probably a snake. Um, you know, we think of the the yang polarity uh, from yin-yang. Uh, herbs that are usually identified with more masculine energy. We just literally just think anything that's spicy. Honestly, most oh. things that are spicy. So you, you you're thinking of like red red pepper. You think of coriander. You mm. think agrimony, agrimony, yeah, allspice, cumin. Uh, oh, and allspice you put in like pumpkin pine stuff. So that's another great thing you can do. Chrysanthemum, almond, uh, anise, 
Arnica. Um, which Arnica is interesting because Arnica is, is a is a healing type of thing. But I, I guess it, it heals in a way that it re kind of it, it reinvigorates and strengthens. So I guess yeah. that's probably what it is. That means you think dandelion, uh, mm. hazel, holly, hyssop. Oh, holly's bright. around winter too. Uh, magic mushrooms. You know, nice. this is, uh, this is <laughs> don't do that, please. Disclaimer. We're not telling you not. To, we're not telling you to do that. I mean, we're not telling you not to do it either. We're so just. Do what you're going to do, but don't say that we told you to do it. Yeah. Because we didn't. <laughs> uh, bay leaves, basil, um, cloves, uh, hawthorn, and mm, one of my personal favorites, garlic. Yum. Oh, and uh, fever few. Yay. And, uh, yeah, so you think... And all those things are still easily accessible, like I said. Connect to him now. I mean, this is the time that... Well, almost, not yet. But the horn god is born at the winter solstice, Marries the goddess at Beltane and dies in the summer solstice. So this is getting close to the time of his birth. Like we mentioned how they related it with Jesus, you know, with a lot of the Catholic. Is that the word you're looking for? No, I'm looking for like, I don't want to say Catholicizing because that's so not a thing. But when Celtic people, Celtic, excuse me, Catholic people took pagan things and adopted them into cultural diffusion so the pagans would become Catholic. That's what I was talking about. Jesus. Anyway. <laughs> um. Um, we also think uh, metals that associate with... Uh, I literally thought you were going to say metal. Like, that's metal. That's be- oh, well, Which I mean, is also a masculine thing. Is, I thought you were going to make a joke. Uh, oh, you're saying that's metal is a masculine <laughs> tendency? Yeah, probably. Um, you know, it's... Uh, you you think of iron, you think of tin. Uh, you, so again, you think in Jupiter, you think in Mars, you think mm-hmm. in. Uh, you also think of gold as opposed to silver. That people might not mm. have on hand to just go yeah. <laughs> send uh, it out. Willy yeah, gold, gold often connotates with the sun. If you have platinum, platinum is usually alchemically depicted as the marriage of gold and silver mm-hmm. so that's why uh in alchemical symbolism you see the it's a sun and a moon kind of connected together mm-hmm. the crescent and the, the circle with the dot it seems pretty minimalist a lot of alchemical yeah. symbols were for the most part at least the, the basic ones yeah um cool so is there anything else you want to cover before we uh um call it i suppose i, I guess talking I, i'll just quickly and before we end it, just quickly talk about connecting to uh, the sides of like divine masculine. So, oh, yes. uh, to, to sum things up, friends. Oh, and actually, I forgot myself that I wanted to mention that um, Kurninos is also sometimes associated with the wild hunt. The um, in folklore, the uh, wild hunt is typically a ghostly or supernatural group of hunters passing in a wild pursuit. So, since Kurninos is a god of hunters and, you know, um, nature in the forest, things like that. He's also associated with the wild hunt, which if anyone has done The Witcher, I'm going to go with he's not an antagonist, but so don't think of him in that way. But uh, oh, so In The Witcher, they portrayed the wild hunt as, uh, you know, they, they elided the, the legend on, on Earth, but the wild hunt really was... Um, actually, uh, the negative divine masculine. Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, well, it wasn't even necessary. Well, I wouldn't even necessarily say that. They were, and aggressive. It was just elves from the other, like where the, the 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 elf in the elf world where they came from. You know, like it was the original like elf world before they descended into like Earth. But elves were always displayed very. Uh, they were very feminine. 
Like they, yeah. their elves Even never the had the beards, and, and you know they were like eternally youthful looking and very sleek looking. You know, masculine was definitely more of a human thing. The dwarves. <laughs> oh yeah, dwarves. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah if you thought about in the middle. Yeah, humans. Yeah, could be both. Dwarves were just really. Some people depicted like actual like female dwarves also having beards. Like Aww. imagine that. Like really imagine that. You know what? Embrace you, girl. I don't know. I'm just like imagining like a. Like a woman with like a really Scottish accent. This is like, hey, what are you doing with the, you know, just, just with a beard, just yelling at another bearded dwarf and you can't like tell the difference. Like that would, I don't know. It's awesome. <laughs> That's just what comes to my mind. You do uh, you. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, you can go back to your thing. Yes. Yeah, so, okay. So to, to sum it up, so we think of, uh, um, you know fatherly tendencies warrior tendencies the old sage um we yep. uh, as you know as the uh, the opposite of a uh, virgin mother crone if we're you know we're going in that regard or if you know from a christian perspective you think the trinity father son you think holy spirit um uh so you think fatherly tendencies royally ten- royal tendencies uh kingly attitude um being able to organize and logically make deductions and heavy decisions that are befitting of a heavy head that wears the crown um but we also think of the primal chest beating uh the the uh, the uh, vitality and uh, violent sexuality we think of um really our most Anger-filled emotions thrashing about. We think of uh, building and sculpting. We think of pure strength, strength in a physical sense as opposed to strength in a metaphysical sense, which is usually depicted in the strength card of the tarot. Uh, We think of the sun. We think of bright, overpowering energies as opposed to subtle ones that uh, don't even make themselves known unless you listen. Uh, You know, there we can talk about this for a grand deal of time, but we hope that uh, this, at the very least, has given you a very uh, decent overview of where to start in Mm -hmm. comparison um, when looking at certain things, friends. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for tuning into our episode on the Divine Masculine. And beards! Just beards. It's just really just long beards. Just, yeah. <laughs> if only you could have seen my face. I was just kind of like wide-eyed and like, okay, beards. I kind of did that on purpose. Yeah, <laughs> so know. you just, you know, they, you, you know the, the, the facial hair is a... I should have just screamed period at the end of the Divine Feminine <laughs> Woman. <laughs> Menstrual cycle! <Just> blood! <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no, yeah, growing beards was always usually very symbolic. And it's no shave November, kind of so... Embrace your masculinity. Don't shave December. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, sorry. Just keep a beard January. I'm just, I'm, I'm really wondering. Uh, everyone, just you know, uh, uh, l- let us know how many of you laughed at the at the, <laughs> at, uh, the weird, surprising things that I've said just, tonight. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, yeah. Um, you can talk to us in the Spellcast podcast group on facebook and just be like yeah all the weird things andrael said that was great it was funny let us know what your favorite thing was uh and we hope that you enjoyed the divine feminine as well uh doesn't have to be listened to in any particular order if you're just starting at this episode and uh yeah any any new people to the podcast feel free to reach out we want to know what everyone thinks um right now we're doing a giveaway Ooh, spellcast podcast giveaway to celebrate the four point 5k listeners downloads that we have 
And all you have to do is go to our Instagram, which is just witchy page, and you're going to see my new post. It's a picture of me and Andrea split and go there. All I want you guys to do to enter the giveaway is tag a friend and tell us what your favorite episode of Spellcast is. You can explain to us why. You can just write what your favorite one is. It's up to you. And it's really important you tag a friend, get people to, uh, you know, spread the word, check us out. And uh, yeah, it's really simple. The giveaway, what you're going to win is a triple moon goddess talisman from our shop, The Craft Crossroads, which is also on Instagram and on Facebook. And then you're going to win a shout out on the show as well as on our social media. So go ahead, take a look at that. Anyone that's in the Spellcast Coven gets an extra entry. So now is a great time to join the Spellcast Coven on Patreon or Anchor Listener because you get two extra entries into our giveaway and you also get bonus content, bonus episodes. We have that uh, extra so an episode I told you about, and we're also going to have an extra episode on Kernanos with our special guest, Mystic Yacha. So definitely, now is a great time to get in on that. You have a lot of cool things coming up, and we also, we have a lot of things planned for you guys. Again, we've been so, so busy that we're slowly getting there. I really want to get a website up and running. Let me know if you guys that you would think that's cool, and I would really love to do the Spellcast school. I'm going to come up with a cooler name than that, I promise. But I want to do a little school thing because the uh, group lets you do units. So I want to have some guest teachers come in. There's going to be really great lessons up there. If anyone wants to be a teacher and if you think Spellcast School would be really awesome and you want to attend and enroll, let us know. Yeah. And uh, let's see, what else do I have to do with my social media housekeeping spiel at the end? Just uh, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, join the Spellcast podcast group on Facebook. That's open to anybody. If you're part of the Patreon coven, then you get the Spellcast podcast coven group. You get entry into that. It's part of your perks. Um, Yeah. And thanks everyone that's in the coven right now. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, A paranormal chicks joined us. I don't recall if I said that. They're the new ones that, you know, joined. So thanks, Don and Carrie. We appreciate you girls so much. And hopefully with everything with our Patreon as that grows, we'll be able to share more awesome stuff with you guys. That's really our goal. I mean, we honestly just want to give back to you. We want to have stickers and merchandise eventually and really great stuff so for now it's a lot of extra content and social media stuff and as we grow get more back so thank you guys so much again and uh we're gonna we're gonna call it so remember there's a little witch in all of us and the spirits live in the mirror friends blessed be